Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T, to my loyal subs, members, and Patreons. Hi there, I hope you're having a fantastic day. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Let me just ask that if after watching the video you find you enjoyed it or learned something, please smash the like button. And if you want to support the work I do here, please consider a Patreon membership. I'll leave a link in the description. Now, let's get started. Alleged serial killer Rex Hewerman likely believed that he would never get caught and was completely blindsided when investigators encircled him on a Manhattan street and told him, Hey, big guy, really big guy, you are under arrest. At least that's what criminal profiler John Kelly told the U.S. Sun newspaper recently. Kelly also stated that serialists almost always believe they're smarter than everyone else and that a false perception of superior intelligence is often what leads to their undoing. When it comes to Hewerman making mistakes that led to his undoing, Kelly pointed out that his use of those camouflage burlap sacks that the four Gilgo Beach victims were found wrapped in. Per Kelly, the burlap sacks served to protect DNA evidence Hewerman inadvertently left on the victims' bodies from the harsh environment of the marsh. We know one of Hewerman's hairs was found on one victim and several strands of his wife's hair were also found on three of the victims. Kelly believed that if those hairs hadn't been covered by the burlap, the hairs would have disintegrated a long time ago. So it sounds like the architect, if he is the guilty party, he's still innocent right now, in his rush to conceal the bodies in the marsh with the camouflage burlap, failed to factor in the possibility that he could transfer his and his wife's hair to the bodies and that by putting burlap over the bodies and thus over those fallen hairs, he was in essence protecting the DNA evidence from the elements. But Hewerman's an architect, not a scientist, so perhaps he focused solely on the aesthetic of hiding bodies in the marsh with that camouflage print, rather than making sure he didn't leave behind even one incriminating hair, and if he did accidentally leave one behind, then making sure the bodies were uncovered so that the sun, the wind, the rain, and the snow would destroy the hairs. Kelly described Hewerman as an evil chameleon because he was so adept at leading a double life and hiding his violent urges from his family. Kelly also stated, he believes Hewerman is a sexual sadist, meaning someone who gets turned on when he inflicts pain on other people. Kelly also said he believes Hewerman is a narcissist. Kelly pointed out that Hewerman doesn't appear to care what society thinks of him. He based this on several details. One, the fact that Hewerman is an architect with his own company working out of what has to be a pricey office in Midtown Manhattan. He also owns significant land in South Carolina and at least one timeshare condo in Las Vegas. And yet, he lives in a dilapidated house that is an obvious eyesore in the neighborhood. I agree with Kelly. I mean, look at those pieces of unpainted wood nailed up to support the roof of the porch. Whoever did that didn't care if they looked sort of tacked on and shabby. Two, 
Kelly pointed out as well that Hewerman failed to pay his taxes, but he had anywhere from 276 to 279 weapons in his large walk-in vault. Weapons are expensive. To me, I'm seeing Hewerman as a selfish man who put his hobby of trawling for escorts ahead of making sure his family had a decent home to live in. This guy was making money. He just chose not to put it into the house because to him, the appearance didn't matter. But yet we heard how he took a week off from work when he had his walk-in vault placed in the basement. An acquaintance of his said Hewerman poured the concrete surrounding the vault himself and he made it so that the concrete was two to three feet thick. That vault Hewerman cared about. By the way, I know it's come out that the vault wasn't built to be soundproof, but I'm wondering how much sound could leak out from a walk-in vault in the basement with a two to three foot thick concrete layer around it. To me, that sounds pretty soundproof. The only thing I question about Kelly's ideas is the part where he said Hewerman likely never thought he'd get caught. I say this because Hewerman was caught using a fictitious email to conduct in excess of 200 searches between March 2022 and June 2023 related to the following topics. One, active and known serial killers. Two, the specific disappearances of the Gilgo Four victims. And three, the investigation into the Gilgo Four's murder. Those searches tell me Hewerman was getting nervous about getting caught and that he wanted to keep tabs on the investigation. I also feel that Hewerman was trying to implicate other people for his alleged crimes at various times over the years. I'm basing this on the following. One, when a woman named Nikki Brass appeared recently on Hidden True Crime to say that during a date she had with Rex Hewerman back in 2015, he brought up the case of the Gilgo Beach Four victims. Nikki said Hewerman specifically mentioned the burlap sacks the bodies were wrapped in during that conversation. Hewerman mentioned, allegedly, the name James Bissett and said he was the likely killer because he had access to burlap sacks. Take a listen. And he talked about it. He said, I said, well, who do you think did it? And obviously he's not going to say me. So he was like, oh, you know, he's like, it could be Bissett, the guy, that, the aquarium owner. I feel like he said that in retrospect, I feel like he said that because the sacks that the bodies were in, the burlap sacks were traceable to Bissett's nursery farm, like nursery that he owned. And I feel like he said, he said that because he knew Bissett would be a suspect when they found the burlap sacks. Wow. So I feel like that's why he mentioned him as like a hypothetical who it could be. So it kind of looks like Hewerman was trying to pawn off his own crimes on James Bissett. Bissett, in case you don't know, was a co-owner of the Long Island Nursery, which was a major supplier of burlap sacks to the area. Along with that, it also didn't look good for Bissett when two days after escort Shannon Gilbert's remains were found in December of 2011 on Oak Beach, Bissett suddenly unalived himself in his car. I can't say the S word because YouTube frowns on that word. After Bissett's death, no more bodies turned up on Gilgo Beach or Oak Beach. Some sleuths concluded that maybe the reason the Long Island serial killer 
appeared to stop taking lives was because he was dead. Thus, Bissett fit the profile for those reasons. He had access to burlap sacks, he does himself in two days after Gilbert's remains are found, and after he dies, no other bodies turn up along Ocean Parkway. All this on paper sounds somewhat suspicious, but the investigators have said all along that Bissett wasn't a suspect, and now we know Huerman is the guy the police believe is responsible for the Gilgo Four victims. So clearly, Huerman, if he really said all that to Nikki Brass, and if he really is guilty, was trying to support an unfounded rumor that James Bissett was the serialist. When I watched episode 3 of the Killing Season docuseries on A&E about the Long Island serial killer, I saw that after the filmmakers placed an ad on Craigslist and Backpage.com where the escorts advertised their services, the place where Huerman allegedly shopped for his victims, a man called the filmmakers to try and implicate James Bissett. Now, it's really important to note that that docuseries came out in 2016, so well before Rex Huerman's name was on any list, well before he was arrested. So the filmmakers had no idea that a guy named Rex Huerman would be arrested in connection with the Gilgo Beach 4. Take a listen. Lisk is slash was, and it kind of makes sense that he hasn't killed him. Quite a while. Hmm. Interesting. We should call him. Call him? Mm-hmm. Hey, how you doing? We're the uh, filmmakers who are doing the uh, Long Island serial killer documentary. You saw you saw our post on Backpage. Yeah. I had heard that the gentleman that owned Atlantis Green in Riverhead. He was a suspect, and that's when he killed himself. And how did you hear that? Uh, well, I worked with the police department, and I heard that that's who the DA's office was questioning and everything else, and, you know, the number one suspect. The man the caller was talking about was James Bissett, a wealthy landscaper and aquarium enthusiast. Right here. We'd heard rumors surrounding Bissett before, but never from someone connected to law enforcement, leading us to take a closer look. Now listen to Huerman in that interview with the French guy. And negotiations with the building department. Okay. What I mean by that is, do we do the standard stuff with the building department? Um, handle your filings. Um, I have other clients who are a lot of other architects, mm-hmm. and we'll handle their interactions with the building department, yeah. especially out-of-city architects, because they're a little afraid of the city. <laughs> I mean, I think it could be. I'm hearing Rex Huerman having a bit of a lisp, if you listen to his S's. Because they're a little afraid of the city. <laughs> now again, listen to the caller. Did you hear that? Uh, well, I worked with the police department, and I heard that that's who the DA's office was questioning and everything else, and, you know, the number one suspect. 
Was that Hewerman on that call to the filmmakers? How convenient for Hewerman to have a scapegoat like Bissett to blame the crimes on. With Bissett dead, if enough people believed he was the guilty party, then maybe the investigators would stop looking for anyone else. But there was no evidence linking Bissett to any of the crimes. Unfortunately, there were a lot of people following the case who bought into the Bissett theory. So if Kelly is right that Hewerman wasn't really worried about getting caught, maybe it was because he felt that as long as the police and the citizens of Long Island believed that the deceased Bissett was the perpetrator, then he could remain in the shadows, and perhaps commit his crimes in another area, perhaps South Carolina, perhaps Las Vegas. Who knows, the world might have been his oyster. Until the next time, on Bed Crime Stories.